And welcome to Pre-Snap Motion Podcast, episode number 25, week five, coming at you strong. My name's Chad Scott. With me, as always, my buddy, Rich Rebar. Rich, what's happening, man? Chad, what is going on, brother? Here we are, week five. We got a little sample size in the books. We kind of know exactly what we've got. We don't know what some of these games are going to be played or not. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, kind of we're in this weird, weird period where, uh, you know, it's just going to be like this weekly probably, right? Like it's going to be Wednesday, touch and feel, Thursday, touch and feel, kind of see what happens. I kind of feel like that's going to be the nor- the new norm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, this is where where depth really is going to pay off. And even if you have depth, I mean, injuries and now COVID kind of happening everywhere. Um, depth might not. You're going to be lucky to win in 2020. And I was see, I was seeing tweets earlier like, it's probably not the smartest idea to like go all in if you're if you're um, if you think you have like maybe a championship team because so many variables are going to happen this year that we just aren't used to. Like it's, it's just maybe not the best idea to mortgage your future uh, in 2020, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree. I feel like depth is a luxury and, you know, typically I think later in the season when we close out, I mean, definitely through these bye weeks and stuff, you're going to want depth because listen, the injuries are still happening too. I mean, we, we lost another two good running backs this past weekend that we'll talk about. Um, it looks like we're going to get some guys back eventually, you know, like maybe Michael Thomas is back this week and, you know, CMC is on the horizon of returning, but I mean, yeah, if you've got, you're going to want your depth through this bye weeks. I think as you get later in the season, maybe you can, it's a luxury you can part with, but, uh, right now, if you've got good players and good assets, uh, I think you're, you're, you're feeling pretty good. And if you've got just options to play, I mean, how many leagues do you have where you've played guys like that you're taking just shots at like already, like, right. you know, whether it be a oh, wide yeah. receiver three or like a flex or, you know, kind of, you know, hitting like I'm in a league where I, I drafted Devin Singletary just cause he went way below ADP and was like, like, I don't even want this guy. And like the last weeks I'm like, thank God I got Devin Singletary. Right. Like, Ooh, right. Like, it, like, I'm like jacked. Like, I'm like, yeah, RB2 Devin Singletary. Let's ride. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, yeah, man, for sure. It's like, yeah, it's one of those things where in a typical year, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm strong at running back. I'm going to go flip like, you know, two of these guys to a team that, you know, lost some guys. You could still do that. I mean, you definitely look to upgrade your team. We're not saying do that either, but it's definitely gives you a little more trepidation to trade depth this year on the rate of one, you know, player injuries, two bye weeks just now moving bye weeks of what we've already had bye weeks change for two teams in season right. and then if you know games get moved um at any point in the season too so i mean having all as many outs as possible uh is an advantage this year for sure yeah yeah it's going to be a war of attrition this year um but you know i guess that's it kind of makes I mean, it fun seeing, too. seeing a league like the ffpc main event like acquiesce rules in season is a very means we're in very rare times yeah, uh, and seeing them maneuver, you know, waivers, and you know, add uh, they added a waiver period last week. Uh, when when some a big tournament like that is changing rules, and I know that that upset a lot of people, and I have you know mixed feelings on it as well. But just the fact that it happened speaks to volumes to like where we are right now, just five weeks yeah. in. Yeah, and then you know, so FFPC is just this huge thing obviously and then just each individual commissioner this year i mean really has their their work cut out for them so thank your commissioners because again most of them don't get paid some skim off the top but they're assholes um the other ones don't the good ones don't and uh yeah yeah so make sure you're thanking them uh let's just 
let's get into it um, before we do, though. Uh, make sure we're, you're going over to sharpfootballanalysis.com. Warren's book is still there uh, for your reading pleasure. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out. Also, Fantasy Football Package, your worksheet is still uh, up there and obviously still a fan favorite amongst uh, the world, really. Uh, so make sure you're going over there, getting that Fantasy Package, and uh, help yourself win uh, some of your leagues. Well, before we get started, it's a good time to tell everyone that sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. Use code SHARP30 for 30% off any product site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Fucking nice. nailed it. You got there, man. All right. <laughs> Let's get into news and notes, Rich. Nick Chubb, he's out with an MCL. Could be out up to six weeks. Kareem Hunt, drafters rejoice. Just how good is he now, Rich? Yeah, this one worked out. Uh, because you didn't need, one, it was there, you know, when you took Hunt where he got elevated to that RB, you know, he was going as an RB2 at the end of the summer. And that was kind of a spot where you're like, all right, well, is he going to be playable? You know, that was always a question. We had no idea if Kevin's fancy coming in, like what exactly this Browns offense was going to be. We knew they wanted to be run centric and that there was an opportunity for both these guys to coach this, but we just didn't know. There was an unknown. Like, is, you know, Kareem Hunt a guy that we can flex every week? And he was. Is the guy with yeah. Nick Chubb playing, was the RB7. So not only was he playable to start the season with Nick Chubb, now he's taking over a backfield that has been literally the most dominant run game in the NFL through four weeks, and not just because they ran for 300 yards uh, against the Cowboys. The backfield, the combination of the Browns' running backs, removing Nodell Beckham runs, they have 170 more rushing yards as a group than the next highest run, group of running backs in the NFL. Mm. It's just been a smash spot. They added, they upgraded the offensive line. Uh, they've been phenomenal start the season. The scheme is just firing off on all cylinders. They've been running at will the past three weeks. Even in week one when they got blown out, they – collectively ran really well against the Ravens as well. Um, and now Kareem Hunt's not only taking over the backfield, but, you know, the Browns have schedule-wise at Sharp Football Analysis or Sharp Football Stats, where you can find it, they have the number six ranked explosive run schedule uh, through weeks five through ten, assuming that's the time frame of Nick Chubb's, you know, absence. Um, and the Browns already are the most explosive run offense in the league. They have 30 runs of 10 or more yards. The next closest team has 20. So they're already out of the gates have 10 more than the next closest team. And also, I think that this is the exact way you'd want it to play out in the situation because I think Hunt – with a Chubb injury becomes better than Chubb with a Hunt injury, if that makes sense, uh, yeah. just because of the pass-catching prowess that Hunt has had over the course of his career. He can do a little bit more. Not that Hunt is a guy – or Chubb is a guy that is a bad pass-catcher by any means, but Hunt is, Hunt is like a legitimately really good pass-catching running back, and giving him the keys to an entire offense uh, – gives him a really high ceiling, especially for fantasy. I think that definitely through this period, he's going to be like a really like locked in top five guy. Uh, like I said, everything is cooking for this, uh, you know, offense. Um, and Kareem Hunt is just one of two running backs so far to outgain his expected rush yards in every game this season per next gen stats. Uh, he's forcing a ton of missed tackles again. It's really just, I mean, you won. If you got Kareem Hunt in the fourth, fifth round, you got to use him as, as an RB2 through that period, and now you're going to get a stretch of the season where he is an illegitimate, like, bona fide RB1. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with everything you just said, but to play as a little devil's advocate here, um, you know, a lot of the times 
when we when there's a situation that this happens and somebody's like excelling so well in the role they're already in uh, we see mm-hmm. them kind of just stay in their role, maybe a couple more carries here and there, maybe a couple more targets here and there. Um, but then they go to somebody like a, Dearn- a Dearness Johnson or a Dontrell Hilliard um, to kind of pick up a little more uh, slack than we kind of anticipated. Even if that happens, though, I mean, like you said, Kareem Hunt has been rolling even uh, as an RB2 with Chubb. So, I mean, I, I can't see him being anything lower than like a high – high-end RB1 at this point. But if, if if you had to choose between Hilliard or Dearness Johnson in this backfield as somebody who might give you some flex appeal uh, for these six weeks or whatever, however long Chubb is out, who are you picking and why? Well, I think Dearness Johnson is now the Hunt-like handcuff. And then Hilliard, I actually think, is like the ancillary guy in the backfield, despite what happened last week. So I think you have to take in the context of that game and what was going on in that game in the in the boat racing that was happening. That game was 41 to 14 through three quarters. And you had, you know, Cream Hunt coming off the groin. Uh, I think that uh, Dearness Johnson is like a Benny Snell-like player. He's, he's a grinder, uh, not a very athletic guy, but a downhill runner. Doesn't offer you very much in the pass game. So it's like a Benny Snell situation um, where he's, you know, if they want him to pick up tough yards, he could do that. Maybe that's the role they want. You know, he could be the chub, and that's and Hunt's going to just have, like, an extenuation of his role. Um, but we'll still have to remain to see what that – in, like, a neutral game script, what the split is. But I think Hilliard has some pass-catching, um, you know, ability and can be used in that capacity as well. So, I mean, uh, I do think if, like, Hunt were to get hurt now, like, we don't want that to happen. But uh, if it were to happen, then, like, the primary ball carrier would be Dearness Johnson. And then like Hilliard would be the pass catcher. So maybe it is when I say Benny Snell, maybe Snell is just going to, you know, I keep calling him, just calling him Benny Snell now. Dearness Johnson is, (laughs) uh, uh, because he's the guy, he ran a 4840. Like that's why I keep calling him. He's very Benny Uh, (laughs) Snellish. But, you know, he's not bad. There's nothing, you saw anyone in this offense is actually good. If you get downhill and like like Benny Snell was at the end of last year when he filled in for Connor is a guy that can get you, you know, rushing points. But I don't think he's going to get you a lot in the receiving game. So maybe he does occupy like uh, just a discounted version of what Chubb was doing and then hunt just has a little bit extended role and they kind of with this groin thing going on you know kind of uh get him uh you know up to up to like 100 percent health uh if you can be yeah. during the season um so yeah that's kind of played i think i talked myself actually and i was prepared to say hillary but i think i actually talked myself into that yeah part of what chubb was doing makes sense to go to Darius johnson yeah i like it um and i think i think what we're gonna see here now is uh, Baker Mayfield is obviously going to have to elevate his play now uh, with the Chubb injury. I'll be interested to see what he can do uh, without Chubb. And um, we saw what Odell Beckham did last week, and let's see if he can kind of capitalize that on that for week five. Let's move on to another big injury that we talked about earlier, and that's Austin Eckler. Had a serious hamstring injury last week. He's been placed on IR. He's expected to miss four to six weeks. I expect that to maybe even be longer based on just the pain that he felt and just that it's a hamstring injury. Um, those are never great to have in the middle of the season. Uh, so what are we, you were super, super high on Joshua Kelly heading into the season. Um, now we get uh, Justin Jackson is back kind of, uh, you know, in that backfield. Uh, who, who's going to kind of dominate these touches? Is it, is it going to be the rookie or is, is Justin Jackson kind of the guy for the next few weeks until he loses the job? Well, I think like we just hashed out, it's going to be uh, a situation that's going to be where Justin Jackson, I think, is going to be like a, a, a discounted role of what Eckler had 
And then Kelly's going to have probably a little larger role of what Kelly had. And they're going to play both of these guys. And Anthony Lynn is a guy that, you know, likes to play two backs anyways. Uh, you know, and then Josh Kelly also has lost a fumble in each of the past two weeks, which we know opens the door in coaches' minds to, you know, hey, if you're going to keep putting the ball on the turf uh, to other people. Although I will say that Josh Kelly had no business even carrying the football right before halftime. They should just kneel that out. But uh, here nor there, he did fumble when called upon, and it was the second week in a row he lost the fumble. But if you look at the course of that game, Kelly still played 30 snaps uh, to 21 for Jackson. He ran 13 pass routes to eight to Jackson. So it still did advantage Kelly. Uh, and I do think if they do get goal line carries, it's still advantage Kelly because Jackson is a taller back, but he's only 199 pounds himself. Uh, Jackson has been effective, five yards per carry. Uh, in his in his limited usage he's had over the course of his career um but and the schedule's great for these guys outside of this monday night game against the saints who still have a lot of 100 rushers on samaj p ryan in 2017 they, they they then get the jets the dolphins the jaguars and the raiders before their week 10 bye, and then we can kind of recalibrate and see if eckler's even on the mend or he's going to be out as long as we thought so i think it's both i think it's like you know jackson's going to be uh, a, a lesser version of eckler uh and kelly's probably going to get a little larger version of the kelly role um, and then there might be some game script that plays out for both guys. But yeah, Kelly is one of my most, you know, highly rostered players in yep. uh, season long. So I'm really hoping that this comes through. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, last one we'll get to here and it's not on the show sheet, but um, it was reported today that uh, Dwayne Haskins has been benched. Kyle Allen is now the starter uh, at, for the Washington football team. Uh, we are one bad, maybe bad game or injury away from seeing Alex Smith play. Um, I don't want to talk about that. I do want to talk about Terry McLaurin because he has been peppered with targets uh, in, with Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback. Is that going to still happen with Kyle Allen? Yeah, I don't see any reason. I don't really see like a lot of change for Terry McLaurin. I mean, it, there's a chance it could be. Um, you know, a positive we could see, you know, it depends on what kind of, you know, to Terry McLaurin in the intermediate game, I think is going to be fine. We've seen Kyle Allen. He can complete passes at a baseline level from like zero yards to 10 yards downfield. And anything beyond that, uh, we're in order a big question mark area, yeah. but you know, I, I don't, I don't think it really changes McLaurin's floor. I mean, this is a guy that's been a top 36 guy uh, in all, all four weeks, and he's had, you know, two strong weeks as well. I think it more or less stays the same, and then maybe of the inkling that maybe Kyle Allen catches a heater and it helps him. But I don't think it really makes it worse for McLaurin. Uh, so kind of business as usual. The targets, I think, are still going to be there. They're going to dial up targets to him as they've been. Uh, and then maybe – Alex Smith does play down the line, which I think would be a great story. It's a great yeah. narrative considering what he went through. Um, I hope he is healthy enough to play. They did elevate him to the number two as well, uh, which means that he they, that does say something maybe he is healthy enough to play. So I do kind of want to see Alex Smith play at some point this season because we know Kyle Allen's not part of their future. Uh, I thought the timing was weird. I thought Haskins probably had his best game of the season last week. Uh, so the timing is a little odd, uh, but really uh, not a lot of change for Ian McLaurin's outlook. I feel pretty similarly. And then there's still the inkling that like maybe, like I said, uh, Allen is hot and that helps him out. All right. In one word or less, we hate, we hate selling low, but if you are an owner of Dwayne Haskins in Superflex TQB league, are you just selling him for anything at this point? Is he done? One word? Yeah, probably. Oh, you said two. You said two. I'm sorry. You said, yes. Yeah. I know. I it's. I know it's really hard for you to stick to one word or two. I but, know. You know. I got you. All right. Let's play our favorite. <laughs> our favorite little game of this or that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with.
This or that this time will uh, consist of rest of season flag planting. Hmm. First one we got here is Jonathan Taylor or Chris Carson. I'm going to go on the first on this one. Yeah, go for I'm it. Not, I'm not even going to be a homer. Um, I'm going to say uh, Jonathan Taylor. Um, I know like the last few weeks he hasn't really looked great. And for some reason, right, really wants to get Heim, uh, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins involved in the run game for whatever reason. Um, JT is healthy. You know, he doesn't have this, this, uh, this history of, of, of nagging injuries. Um, Chris Carson, I mean, he's, he's, he's great when he plays um, and he, and he, and he plays through injury often, but the thing is he does, does get injured often. It seems like, and I just can't, if, especially in a season like 2020, I can't count on Chris Carson being healthy for like all season. Um, I think JT behind that line will get better as the season goes um, and as the offense kind of clicks a little more. So uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor just because, I mean, Russell Wilson's basically passing for most, almost every touchdown. So uh, I'm going to go with JT. I like that. Um, this one is tough for me, and I picked these out based on the, the rest of the season rankings at Fantasy Pros because they're right next to each other uh, in the industry ranks. Um, I actually think I would roll the dice on Carson. I think that Taylor is a supreme talent, but I just think that you can see he's playing a step slow still. Yeah. Uh, and we haven't, and the rushing is or the receiving that we were teased with in week one has gone by the wayside. I mean, he's not, he's not catching the ball uh, like he did in week one. He hasn't even equaled uh, the yardage or receptions from that one game over the course of the past three weeks. Um, they have a good schedule, the Colts, but I just think the attachment to the offense, the Seattle offense in, itself is so good. Uh, and Carson's running hot. Uh, I think the injury thing is a great point. I think that's the, the scariest part of backing Carson um, is just the the factor of how he plays, and it's kind of run him out of every season that he's played so far. Um, gives a little little bit of uh, sketchiness to it, but I do think that he's in a better spot offensively. He's the better talent right now yeah. uh, in terms of how he's producing right now. So it's close, but I'll, I think that I would I would go at Carson. And I think you could turn Taylor into Carson plus something. Yeah, yeah. I Do you mean, think I was that's kinda, true or no? I mean, yeah, because I was just kind of thinking as you were talking, like if, if you think that, and I'm sure most others do too, this might be like a really good time to buy Jonathan Taylor if, uh, if, if you kind of believe. I would agree with that as well. Yeah, if he's the talent that, you, that we kind of thought he was coming in. Uh, this might be because like you said I mean he is he does kind of kind of look like he's he's a little timid on things right now but that's gonna that's gonna change I mean the the game will kind of catch up or he'll catch up to the game and mm-hmm. and get things going so uh, might be an opportunity there uh, Antonio Gibson or Devin Singletary um here I think that you, you know I'm still on team Gibson here uh, just because you know Zach Moss is going to return yep. and we've seen you look, you look at Devin Singletary the past weeks, he's in the RB16 and the RB15, but the opening two weeks with Zach Moss and sharing some of those carries, he was the RB31 and the RB33. Yeah. Uh, more of a floor-based flex guy, uh, and I think that we could still see Zach Moss involved near the goal line uh, on his return, whereas Gibson's tr- kind of trending up. Yeah. Um, you know, we, He's coming off of a season-high 17 touches. He's increased his yards from scrimmage every game over the first month of the season, and we knew he was a guy – 
that was going to be a slow burn in terms of like actually learning to be a running back. Right. Um, which I think that's one of the, that's also one of the discouraging parts of how he was used the first three weeks until last week is that we thought he would actually be used as like a, in the passing game a lot. And then we thought he would struggle in the run game. He'd have to fight for Gary. It's actually been inversely. Yep. He's actually struggled to run routes over JD McKissick and has been getting the carries. Um, but I think he's, you know, a couple of positives that he's, he secured usage near the end zone, which was another one of our worries. And especially in week one, when Peyton Barber got all those, you know, goal line looks the past three weeks, he has eight red zone touches compared to two for McKissick and only one for Peyton Barber. He's got four carries inside the five yard line. He scored a touchdown the past three weeks. And then last week was the first week they kind of got him the ball in space in the passing game. And we actually saw what kind of spade he has uh, in space with the football, uh, with the 82 receiving yards. Now, we still need to see that type of usage become sticky before we just bank on it. But I do think that his trajectory uh, is still higher than what he's been right now, where I think Singletary falls back to like an RB2 flex when Moss comes back on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's basically the, the, the biggest factor right now is uh, when, you, when you're talking about Gibson and Singletary is Zach Moss is going to be coming back. And when he does, uh, this is going to be like a 60-40 split at best, I feel like. Um, and let's not forget, I mean, Kyle Allen is starting now. Peppered, and Gibson's no CMC. But I mean, no. he peppered his running, he peppered his running backs, uh, his running back CMC with targets. Uh, and you could see a lot of that um, maybe with Kyle Allen and, and Gibson moving forward. So I agree with you on that one. Let's, in, let's move on to receivers. Juju or Robbie Anderson? Uh, I'm going to go with Juju here. Um, I think Robbie Anderson has been, I mean, borderline amazing to start the, fir- the, the, the first four weeks of the season. But, uh, you know, when you look back at 2019, this is kind of how DJ Moore started off 2019 as well. He kind of started off a little slow and then kind of came on as, as, the, as the season kind of progressed. Um, Robbie Anderson, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a good receiver. I don't think he's, he's ever going to be quite the number one um, uh, like DJ Moore can be. And when you're looking at Juju, he's got Ben, he's got uh, Ben Rosberger throwing him the ball. He's, he's got a nose for the end zone. The offense um, is, is much better in my mind. Um, and so I, we've seen Juju be a top five receiver in the NFL too. So, I mean, I, I'm going to go with the pedigree. I'm going to go with Juju. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that that's smart. I think Juju is probably more in my sell bucket uh, mm. than to buy right now. Uh, he's yet to reach 70 yards in any game. He's yet to have 20% of the team targets in any game as well. Uh, I think the touchdowns are doing a pretty good job of deodorant of those two facts. And then even last game that they played, because they didn't play last week, Deontay Johnson, who left that game after only running 10 routes, he actually had a season low targets, uh, Juju did, and a season low target share. Um, you know, uh, and he's averaging a career low yards per catch right now through through his three games. Now that's only yeah. three game sample, and it could change. You said he has offered uh, that upside before, but I am a little worried about Juju um, and when where he's consistently ranked in the industry as well. Whereas I know I want to buy the Carolina passing game from a season long stance because I know what they're going to do. They're going to throw the football a ton, yeah. uh, and then I'm looking at this usage from Robbie Anderson, and it's what we want from like any receiver. It's, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of conversation of him and DJ Moore having, you know, inverse roles, what we expected. And to a degree that that's true, um, you know, Robbie Anderson's dot versus DJ Moore's dot, But Robbie Anderson also still has more deep targets than DJ Moore on the season. Robbie Anderson's just getting used right now as a complete receiver. 
leads the team in, you know, as a receiver in red zone share of targets. He's getting targets near the line of scrimmage. 51% of his yards are after the catch. And like I said, he is still beating DJ Moore in deep targets as well. Um, so, I mean, I, we know they're going to throw a lot. Curtis Samuel, we know we really can't stock faith in at this point. We still, Ian Thomas hasn't been involved. So I think it's still Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey when he returns. Um, and this is another example where I think you can turn Juju into Robbie Anderson plus something else um, yeah. uh, is a situation as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to go hot take and say I would rather Robbie Anderson and I'm going to buy the, buy the, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I think here. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that is pretty hot takey. Um, and let's not forget, I mean, Ben Rothsberger had basically all of 2019 off. He's been rusty to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that, that can only get better as uh, 2020, as, as long as 2020 continues, I think Ben Rothsberger will obviously get better. Yeah, that one might bite me. Goes. That one might look like bad in a month, but... Uh... Yeah, but I mean, you might look like an absolute genius too. So we'll we'll see. Um, here is another one. This one was hard for me. Um, Kenny Galladay or Mike Evans? Yeah, and these are two guys that both had uh, hamstring injuries already too. So, but uh, I think Mike Evans is more in a sell bucket for me as well. Uh, not that you're actually looking to dump either of those guys. When I say it, just I mean I'm exploring options because when you look at Evans, he's already dealt with a couple different injuries now, and he's banged up again going into this week five. But his two games without Chris Godwin, he's been excellent. And then his two games with Chris Godwin playing, he's had three total catches. Yeah. Uh, small sample. We know that he's going to be involved and get targets still. But, uh, you know, I think that that Tampa Bay offense is going to be an offense that kind of spreads the ball around more than it did a year ago with Jameis Winston. We've kind of already seen that last week when he threw Tom Brady threw five touchdowns to five different players. Uh, they're going to use the backs in the, pro- the passing game a lot more than they did last year under Brady. Um, and I think you could look at Evans and his touchdown weight that's happened to start season, him scoring in every game so far this season. And, you know, you can use that cachet. And so plus he's Mike Evans uh, to kind of come out. Uh, whereas I think the Lions are probably, you know, schedule wise trending up Galladay, you know, returning to the lineup, uh, you know, scoring a touchdown in both of those first two games. We know they're, they just haven't started to air it out yet, but I think that that's going to happen coming out of the bye when you look at their schedule. Uh, you know, having the Falcons, having the Jaguars on, on that slate coming out, uh, where I'm a little more keen to Galladay having just dominant target shares weekly. I think he's going to be more consistent from a target basis than Mike Evans will be uh, over the course of the season. And they occupy similar type of, uh, you know, red zone uh, type of uh, opportunities. You know, they're both the kind of the same player, the, those big red zone clashers, as we like to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to actually give the edge to Galladay. Yeah, that's, this one was hard for me. I mean, um, the I think the biggest factor when I look at it, I mean, I feel like it should be a slam dunk in Kenny Galladay's favor, but I, I feel like as long as Matt Patricia's there and as long as Adrian Peterson <laughs> is there, um, I just, you know, as soon as they signed Adrian Peterson, this offense, like, basically went to shit, I feel like, because, I mean, Adrian, play, Adrian Peterson's still playing in the fourth quarter. They're still running the ball in the fourth quarter when they're down 20 points. Um, and it, they have Matthew Stafford uh, as a quarterback. So, I mean, that part just it, it really kind of grinds my gears, Rich. But uh, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm I, you know, I think you kind of talked to me in a Kenny Galladay, so I'll I'll go with, I'll go with him as well. All right, here's two rookies. This is kind of interesting um, because you know after week one, I think this would have been a, a landslide. I mean, maybe even after week two, obviously, but uh, it's a lot closer now. So we're gonna do Justin Jefferson versus C.D. Lamb. Um, this one's tough, but I think for me, um, based off what Justin Jefferson has done the last two weeks, um, since he, his role has gotten bigger, um, he is, I think he's 
firmly now the number two uh, number two target in the Minnesota offense. It's hard with Dallas's offense. Um, they're going to score a lot of points. Obviously, they're going to uh, they're going to throw for a lot of yards. Um, but it, you know, his they have eight different receivers that they use as well. Minnesota has Thielen. They have Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and that's basically it. Um, I think talent-wise, um, they're kind of neck and neck. I mean, Justin Jefferson looks great right now. And um, as long as Kirk Cousins can keep getting him the ball, as long as Adam Thielen can stay healthy, um, I think I like Justin Jefferson um, a bit more the uh, rest of the season. Nice. I was curious where you were going to go. So someone asked me this question on Twitter, and I thought it was a great question because it's when really I actually question. looked under the hood, I came out more pro Jefferson as well. And, you yeah. know, I know Lamb has been rocking as well, and he's in the better offense. So you know, my initial thing was, like, just go to the carnival. Let's, you know, yeah. like, let's get the Dallas guy. But then when I looked at, you know, and just put some context of what Dallas has done and what Lamb has done. So Lamb's had more than seven targets in just one of the first four games. Uh, and that is attached to a quarterback who's dropped back the most times in NFL history through four weeks. When Dallas starts to not play some of these weird games, because all four of their games have been pretty, you know, where they've chased points, Dallas has led for only seven snaps the entire season, which is the mm. lowest amount of snaps in the entire NFL, lower than the Jets, any team in the league. Uh, so they've just been like chasing, you know, drop, like situations where they've just had to drop back 50 plus times a game. But when these dropbacks, start to turn into 35 to 40 dropbacks instead of 50 to 55 dropbacks. When C.D. Lamb has games like the last two weeks where he has just a 10.5 target share and a 12% target share, when those turn into 35 dropback games, he's going to be right back into the area where probably you would discount Jefferson and say, well, Jefferson's not going to get 10 targets in a game. Yeah, but Lamb's, Lamb's six through eight targets he's been getting are going to turn into fours and fives when just naturally when the Cowboys aren't in these situations that they've been in these predicaments and granted they'll probably play a lot of high scoring games considering the defense and the state of the team but there also is going to be a lot of weeks where they just don't go like this it's just it's not a sustainable way to play football and Dak's not going to throw for 7,000 yards it's just not going to happen um, <laughs> whereas you look at Justin Jefferson yeah he's he's kind of operating in like a DK Metcalfian type of like capacity the past two weeks I mean 25.3 yards per catch he has seven mm. catches of 20 or more yards the past two weeks seven That's catches nuts. of 20 or more yards he now leads the nfl in yards per team pass attempt uh and Thielen is third so it's really just the ball going to those two guys um and i also think uh inversely like dallas minnesota is going to have to start throwing the football more given the state of yep. their team uh, they're actually drop back should increase where Dallas should come down. Uh, so when I went under the hood and like looked at it and I spit back the answer that I actually think I am stocking uh, Justin Jefferson here. Not that I would be looking to get out of CD land by any means, because you drafted him no. like wide receiver 40 and he's smashing that. I think he's definitely easily wide receiver three worthy uh, in your weekly lineups most weeks. But I think when you look at how his targets have gone the first month of the season, those six and sevens could easily turn into fours and fives when this gets reduced at some point. Nice. All right. Uh, let's do, no, I was going to say, <laughs> never mind. I was going to do uh, a tight end one, but I'm not going to. All right. Let's uh, rich. We have, we have a sponsor now. It's, it's amazing. Like this is our 20, what was it? 24th, 25th, 25th show. And we have a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. Thanks to our friends over at Anchor. Uh, let's get into our starts of the week. 
last week we did okay, man. We're starting to dial it in a little bit. Um, kind of still hit, hit and miss, you know, 50% or so hit rate. It's not bad. Yep, 500 yep. average in baseball. That's not too bad. Um, your biggest hits obviously were Fitzmagic. He got there and then, but the biggest hit obviously of the entire week was Robert Tanyan, dude. Yeah, big, big Bob, man. I played him in uh, the Monday night slate too and won some ducats Woo. off of uh, Big Bob. You know, it wasn't just a play. Yeah. I spit out. We talk about in the show, we actually do play these guys in spots or we have these decisions. Um, it's not we're just like throwing names out there. So I, I played Big Bob on Monday and won some money from him. Uh, definitely yeah. did not expect. I was hoping to just get one fall in the end zone moment, but uh, we'll take three. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, what's your what's – your, uh, I mean, it kind of sucks that they're kind of going into a buy. He's he's super hot right now. Uh, he's the tight end one, I believe, in uh, in fantasy. Uh, they have a buy obviously this week. But what what do you think about him rest of the season? Because uh, obviously we know Devonte Adams is that was out. Um, uh, Lazard was out. Uh, he's still on IR. Uh, what do you what do you kind of forecast him for the rest of the season when those guys return? He was a guy was uh, I stashed for a couple of years too, man. You and then it yeah. looked like when they it looked like when they drafted Sternberger last year that that was kind of writing on the wall that he was not going to eventually pop. So I actually let him go in a few dynasties last year. I still have him in a couple, um, but let him go in a few, and that's that's kind of stinks. I'm kind of bummed yeah. out about that because he's he's a converted wide receiver. He's only 240 pound tight end, so he's not one of these. You know, he he is one of those move tight ends in a sense, but he's six five. Uh, went to a small school, Indiana State, and was athletic profile. You know, the guys I typically take shots on at the end of roster right. spots. Uh, and we're seeing those guys. Dude, Mo Ali Cox, too. Like, he was another guy. I've had that dude on rosters forever, and he's finally getting a shot. Uh, I wish they would open it up. They played Trey Burton a bunch last week. I was bummed out. Uh, but, you know, he's looked good in the opportunities he's had, Mo Ali Cox. But Tanyan's another one of those guys. We'll see what happens when Adams comes back. But with Lazard being hurt and MVS still kind of being like this completely volatile, uh, you know, asset that <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I think there's a role here and listen, Rogers has shown like when he has faith in you. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like Tanyan's popping and not just one week, it's been three weeks in a row. He scored. So when you, you Rogers is one of those mercur- mercurial guys, like yep. he'll, he'll fall. If he'll it, fall if it, yeah. If it ain't broke, he, you know, there's no, there's no need to fix it. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. That was, that was a great call. Um, my really only good call of the week was probably Latavius Murray. Uh, fell into the end zone a couple of times last week. So uh, again, let's like we always try to do. Let's do better this week, man. Uh, let's start with quarterback. I was gonna go. I really wanted to go um, with Daniel Jones here against Dallas, but uh, no. you know, with Jason with Jason Garrett um, calling plays, it's just really hard to to put any any faith in him. So I'm going to go with the rookie, and I might be cha- uh, point chasing here, but I'm going to go with Justin Herbert at New Orleans as the QB 18 right now. I picked him up in a few leagues uh, this week um, just to start him uh, because Matt, Matt Stafford's on a bye. Uh, if you look at uh, the last three weeks, he has gotten his start. He's averaging 310 passing yards. Um, he's had five touchdowns passing, one rushing New Orleans, they've uh, allowed three passing touchdowns uh, in each game of their last three games. Uh, the over-under in this is 51 and a half. Janoris Jenkins uh, is questionable. Marcus, uh, Mar- Marshawn Lattimore, uh, I don't think he's going to be a go again either. Uh, you're looking at New Orleans giving up seventh most points to quarterbacks. Um, it sucks that Austin Eckler's out. I feel like uh, that's going to hurt Herbert a little bit in this one. 
but uh, what I'm hoping is uh, we get a little bit of that Konami, Konami code uh, with Herbert this week uh, in, in Eckler's stead. So I'm going to go with Justin Herbert because he's, I mean, he's looked, he's looked really good so far in the first three weeks. I mean, last week, especially, uh, you know, last week I was kind of down on him coming in because, you know, they didn't have Brian Bulaga. They didn't have Trey Turner. I thought the Bucks were just going to send all kinds of heat at him. And they did. And he just stood in there and took it. Yeah, um, good, man. I mean, he, he now ranks third in completion rate under pressure on the season, 72%. Uh, he's first in yards for pass attempt under pressure. And what's interesting yeah. about Herbert is they put him in terrible spots. Uh, they're not throwing on first down at all. 46% of his pass attempts have come on second and third downs of seven or more yards, like, to mm. go. So they're not even giving. It's the highest rate of any quarterback that has more than 100 attempts in the season. They're not, so they're putting him in terrible spots. He's been phenomenal on third down. He's 21 to 26 on third downs. He leads the league in third down yards per attempt as well uh, in quarterback rating, and then his fourth and first down rate. And he's not even getting, you know, red zone targets either. They're really nursing the – uh, the run game. So like they put him in a terrible spot and he still performs. So they could still get better for Herbert in a sense too. Uh, and we said, we haven't really seen him run around uh, at all either. And, you know, Joe Burrow's getting a lot of love because he was the first rookie quarterback to ever throw for 300 yards in three straight games. But Herbert over the same span would have got there. He was 10 yards short last week. He had done the same thing over the same span. Uh, so, I mean, Herbert's really playing well. And you talked about the Saints defense really kind of struggling out of the gates. Um, I wanted to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I just don't know if he's going to play it. And I would hate to give a big Jimmy Garoppolo spiel and then them to hold him out. Uh, right, you know, right, 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 right. Uh, uh, and then in the weekend, it'd be worthless. Uh, so if he was for sure playing, I wanted to go in with him. So I'm just going to keep going back uh, to the well here uh, and go with Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh, uh, I thought you were going to go with Fitzpatrick. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, this is the week I'm going to not do Because I, uh, I think Fitzpatrick, uh, the end is nigh. And we've, anytime they start yeah, talking yeah. about when you're going to get pulled, like it's, it means you're probably going to get pulled pretty soon. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we got through the game last week. I was almost worried he was going to get pulled during that game. He, he started off the interception the first drive. He threw an yeah. awful interception in the second half of that game. Uh, and I was like, uh-oh, we could be in trouble. Um, but he got the rushing touch at the end, got through the game, got us 20 points, and we got, got the hell yeah. out of there. Uh, but for similar <laughs> factors, so you look at Kirk Cousins, and it's going to be, you know, the same type of argument I had last week, except for he's 33rd among all NFL quarterbacks and dropbacks per game, just 29 per game. He's a, he's thrown 27 or fewer passes in all four games this season. But the way Seattle's playing, like, that's yeah. going to have to change. I mean, uh, Seattle opponents have thrown a league high 200 passes through four weeks. The lowest amount of pass attempts a quarterback has had against Seattle is 44. So if we get a chance where Cousins can actually go from 27 pass attempts to – 35 to 40 that is going to be a huge boon because when you look at cousins peripherals um he is third in the nfl in yards for pass attempt right now he leads the nfl in yards per completion we just talked about Jeff for justin just Jefferson talking, yeah. right now. he's been right, awesome right. uh and then every quarterback to face seattle scored 20 more fantasy points <laughs> qb1 um you know and no jamal adams already been rolled out it looks like quentin dunbar will come back but uh uh, this is a game where the Vikings are going to actually have to, I think, play aggressive. So I'm just going to, instead of going back to one Fitzpatrick, I'm going to go back to the well on the Seahawks. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, let's not forget this game is right now a 57 and a half point over under. Ooh, so, I mean, points will be scored. Um, I like it. Let's move on to your running back of the week. Who do you, who do you like? I haven't gotten a running back uh, right all season, and I'm going to say a name that's so gross that I'm pretty sure won't be right again. Uh, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Devonte Freeman, man. Oh, oh. Uh, 
I'll, I'll just keep it short. After the you know three-way split they had in week three, he led the Giants' backfield with 37 snaps last week compared to 21 for Deion Lewis, 10 for Wayne Gallman. He had 21 pass routes, which led the team, uh, and he had 15 touches. He actually was the RB24 in scoring last week because uh, he caught some passes as well. Dallas so far has allowed 159, 109, 118, 230 yards from scrimmage to opposing backfields. Um, that's just it. That's all I've got. I don't like saying it. Uh, I'm just looking to hit a floor here uh, because I've yeah. been so bad. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, what, what is he running? What's, what's he currently ranked right now? I, you, did you say that? I don't is he, know. Is he? I, I don't think I cheated on this one. I didn't cheat. No, you didn't. One. You definitely <laughs> didn't cheat on this one. He's definitely not inside the top 24. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that could be a, uh, inside the weekly top 24 soon, and that's a guy in Chase Edmonds going against mm. the Jets currently as the RB34. Jets are giving the seventh most points to running backs currently. Uh, I like that the cards are uh, touchdown favorite, uh, road favorites um, against the Jets. Uh, they've given up six total touchdowns running backs plus 20 receptions. Edmonds has had 17 targets, uh, nine just in the last two weeks. I, I feel like that's going to go up this week. He's played, uh, he played the most snaps that he has uh, all year last year. And that was obviously it's just 37%. Um, but what we're seeing is uh, I think you're kind of starting to see the changing of a guard here because Drake has just not played that well. And when Edmonds has, has got his chance, we've seen him, uh, a shine in this offense. So uh, Jets are a mess. I'm going to go with with Edmonds just because Drake hasn't been playing that well. So watch Kenyon Drake go off this week. Ooh, baby. Let, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Drake, I mean, I'll be 34, you know. Drake's been a letdown, but he also looks like, and you know, I don't know if that foot injury has been a problem or not, but he just has not looked explosive at all. Mm-mm. No, not at all. I mean, but he's still like, he's still getting the usage you want. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, until that's gone, it's really hard to not start him, but um, this is like, if you're going to buy Chase, if, if there's ever time to buy Chase, Chase Edmonds and you believe in him, I think right now is the time um, because uh, pretty soon he could be the guy there. Uh, let's go with uh, wide receiver. Um, I don't know if people are not done ranking yet over, over there at Fantasy Pros, but I'm going to go with the guy that uh, you're going to use the quarterback for in Brandon Ayuk so far as the wide receiver 40 versus Miami. We've talked about Miami. We talked about them last week. They've given up the eighth most fancy points to wide receivers. Um, and they really haven't, um, they haven't even really played any good wide receivers yet. They've played Diggs, who they gave up eight, uh, eight, 153 and one against DK had four receptions for 106 yards. They held down Lockett uh, for whatever reason last week. Um, but what I, what I really like about Ayuk is his snap, his snap has uh, have increased each week. He played uh, a season long 88% of the snaps in week four. He's had six and a half targets the last two games. Um, and, and now we've kind of seen him kind of be that Debo too. He has, he has, we've, he's kind of has that built in rushing floor now where you, you kind of almost expect at least one, one rush a game and what he can do uh, on, on uh, in a rush uh, we've seen, he scored, twice i think uh two rushing touchdowns and even highlight real plays so i'm gonna go with brandon Ayuk against uh against miami this week i like that one i like that one uh i'm gonna be real gross because no matter who i pick are gonna score more points than the guy i picked last week uh you know i had brandon cooks was my guy last week brandon uh, cooks is out there exercising the whole still, game still searching for those points man this dude ran a, <laughs> this dude ran a route on 
92% of the Houston dropbacks and had a zero. <laughs> like, just getting his cardio in, man. Just getting just his cardio getting in. his sprints in exercising. <laughs> just exercising. Oh, my goodness, man. Brandon Cook's kidding me. Uh, this one, we're going to go off the reservation again. I'm going to go with Zach Pascal. Uh, Zach Pascal actually might be the Colts wide receiver one. Uh, yeah. He's out-targeted T.Y. Hilton in each of the past two weeks. Uh, unfortunately, hasn't really come to fruition on any points. Uh, he leads the team in air yards over the past two weeks. He's getting downfield targets uh, as well. And then, you know, he's, he's got an end zone target on the season as well. Uh, when you look at the Browns, uh, they have given up some production to these ancillary wide receivers as well. You know, Dontrell Inman had two touchdowns against them. Mike Thomas scored a touchdown, the, the bad Mike Thomas. Uh, Willie Sneed had four for 64 on a touchdown. Uh, I don't know if you can call it, you know, C.D. Lamb an ancillary receiver, but not, you know, it wasn't Amari Cooper. Uh, had two touchdowns yeah. last week too. But bottom line is the, non, the, the guy that Denzel Ward isn't covering has been really good uh, <laughs> and had some moments. Uh, so I'm reaching into the bag here. Uh, and I'm going to pause Zach Pascal. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think I saw a stat this week too, is like T Y Hilton hasn't had a, had a game over 75 yards since like 2004. No, I'm just, I don't know. It's like 2000 something. <laughs> since the start of last year, his high, I think is 87 yards. Yeah. Yeah. It's he's He's pretty bad. Him and uh, AJ green just kind of like jumped right off that cliff. Uh, if you saw walking dead last week, um, that was, that was them at the end of the episode uh, for any of you walking dead fans that still watch. All right, let's go with tight end. Who do you like? Uh, I'm going to go back to a guy that I picked once this season. It did not work out. Uh, so let's see if I can do it again. Maybe I'll just keep picking him every week and eventually have a good week. It's got to hit one of these uh, weeks, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Eric Ebron. Uh, oh, I, I almost went with him. Nice. Oh, nice, nice. I, I thought about doing the Ian Thomas thing and just making the Falcons flowchart argument again, but I did it last week. Uh, uh, so I'm going to go with Ebron. No, his targets have, you know, climbed from two to five to seven to start the season. Uh, his receptions have gone up every week and his yards has gone up every week. Uh, you know, so far tight ends against the Eagles have been pretty fruitful. Uh, even when you uh, take out, you know, George Kittle's bananas, you know, sun, uh, Sunday night game last week where he just went <laughs> nuclear. So, good. Uh, so, awesome. so out of 30 targets to tight ends against the Eagles so far, just four have been incomplete. Uh, they've had wow. five touchdowns uh, to opposing uh, tight ends. And even guys like, you know, Logan Thomas, we've seen score against them. Uh, Tyler Higby had the three touchdown game. So uh, I'm looking at Ebron to kind of build off the start he's had and keep getting more acclimated uh, to this uh, offense and, you know, Ben getting a little more acclimated to giving him some chances in the red zone. Yeah, no, like I said, I mean, that was – I almost – I, it felt a little too gross for me, so I didn't, but I'm kind of glad you did. Um, but I, I'm i also actually going to go back to the well because this is a guy I picked last week, and I'm going to pick him again this week because um, I, I feel like a touchdown is coming this week. Greg Olson, right now, uh, tight end 17 versus Minnesota. Um, again, Minnesota hasn't played any tight ends either. Uh, they've played Their best tight ends they've played is, is uh, Mo Alley-Cox. He went for 5 and 111. And then Johnny Smith at five and 61. Uh, also, when you look at Olsen, I mean, obviously this offense is just something you want a piece of each and every week. Um, Olsen's had 13 targets this season or this, uh, the last two games, 10 receptions, the last two games. Uh, this again, this over under is 57 and a half. I want every piece of each offense in this game. Uh, I think Greg Olson is a guy that, you know, if you have a guy like Hawkinson or Jared Cook um, or somebody like that, or not Jared Cook, but uh, Tanyan is your starter. Um, 
you can kind of put in there and just hope for like a good 10, 11 points because he's going to get five, six targets uh, in this game because I think it's going to be one of those high, it's going to be one of those high scoring uh, games of slates. So give me Greg Olson again this week. I'm going to go back to it, man. Oh, I dig it, man. All right. So, yeah. Can't go wrong with anybody attached to Russell yeah. Wilson, man. <laughs> you really, you really can't. I think uh, everybody's learning that. So that is our episode for the week. Again, uh, thanks for listening. I just want to remind everybody, please, please go subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you do listen to us because you guys have been doing amazing of the uh, on that front so far. Um, and as we close out, I just want to say it's a good time to tell everyone that sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. Use code SHARP30 for 30% off any product site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Again, I am Chad underscore Scott13 on Twitter, and he is at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Uh, good luck in week five, man. Let's, uh, let's have a great week five. Let's have, let's get this COVID out of here, man. Let's, let's be done with this so we can enjoy the rest of the 2020 season, man. You got any party words before, before we head out of here? No, no. I seen someone have the tweet like, you know, Hey, we're in the fourth quarter of 2020 and let's hope COVID, uh, is the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's really good. I'll have that's to find out tweet. who said that. I'm sorry. I didn't, right, I didn't give them the yeah. proper credit. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to get you on the next show, man. Uh, that's the perfect way to end. Thanks for listening. Good luck in week five. We'll see you next week. Later.